Well, it looks like you all hated me so much that you've given me this award for it. That it can be about the performance and not the politics. This moment is so much bigger than me. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. And thank all of you who voted for me and all of you who didn't, please excuse me. I deserve this, thank you. And welcome back to this week's episode of Academy Queens. It's true. The papers that have followed me all my life, what do they say? They say I'm crazy. I'm Joey Gentilly. And my life is a very sad handwritten book. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And this is this week's episode of Academy Queens, your LGBT guide through the Academy Awards per decade per category. And this is the class of 2011. Brandon, how are you today? Uh, Fantastic. I am slowly making my way through Spike Lee's filmography. Uh, Defive Bloods has inspired me. So um, I'm just slowly making my way through, and I'm digging it so far. Very nice, very nice. Did you get to, because uh, I know we, we briefly talked about it, did you get to She Hate Me at all yet? No, I'm still in the 80s, so oh, haven't I gotten that far. Yeah, that's how I like to do it. But. Solid, solid. I like it. Um, I do not want to waste any time today. We have a very, very special guest with us. Um, I'm going to introduce her right now, actually. She is coming to us from New York. She is a novelist. You've read her books as The Last Woman Standing and Bittersweet Brooklyn. She is a very proud mama and a film critic aficionado. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between, Thelma Adams, welcome about. Thank you very much. It was such a, it's such a pleasure to hear, to talk to anybody other than people in my family this week. I've started talking to the cats. They are not responding. It's tough. Listen, I think we've all gotten to that part in this quarantine and with everything going on. So trust me when I say you're not alone there. I don't even have cats and I'm talking to cats. (laughs) Exactly. I know the feeling. (laughs) I can relate. So what are we doing today? Well, we are doing the class of 2011. The supporting and lead ladies of who were nominated that year um brandon i think you're gonna go chastain here for the help and supporting for lead i'm not too sure where you're gonna go so i'm just gonna take a wild guess and say michelle williams is your winner this year um thelma you know what i've i'm definitely going off of a guess here i'm gonna say you're sticking with octavia spencer as the winner i just for some reason also see you going michelle williams but i'm gonna take a wilder guess and say you're going rooney mara as your winner Brandon? Um, For Joey, I'm guessing Rooney Mara for Dragon Tattoo. Um, I think I recall you saying you're pretty fond of the film, so I'm guessing you might go Mara. Uh, For Supporting Actress, I'm thinking McCarthy. It seems like you're a brand of humor. So um, Thelma, I'm not too sure, but I'm going to go with the um, two ladies from The Help, two of them, Viola Davis and Spencer, just as a guess. My God. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just pausing a second here, um, just to just to just to to hold in the fact that someone thought I would actually support Rooney. I was so contrarian that I would support Rooney Mara in the girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, hey, it was a wild guess. It was a bold, bold, bold move. Um. <laughs> Okay, All so, right. <laughs> I mean, and uh, yikes, 
I'm just kind of in awe of the, <laughs> I mean, if you take Octavia Spencer versus Jessica Chastain in The Help, you've got to also realize that this was the year that Chastain came out and like, she was in every movie, right? Yeah. This, this was the year she did the, the Malick, which is the defining movie of maybe of her career, you know? Mm-hmm. I prefer Zero Dark Thirty because I love that movie. But this was her year. So I think for her, it really was almost a bridesmaid. You know, well, or always a bridesmaid, never bride. Like for her, it was good just to be included. Okay. Um, oh, my God. I am, I am guessing... For Brandon, the double help. And, uh, my God, you just can't, the, those Albert Knobs girls, what can you do? And I would say, <laughs> I would say Streep and uh, McCarthy would be my other prediction for Joey. Right. Okay. I well, just... I mean, prediction, to tell you the truth, that is why I was going to be a medium and I could not pass the test. So here I am, film critic. All right. Um, I got to say, I've been really excited to try to get you on the show because I first heard you talk film when you were on Kevin Jacobson's podcast talking about Picnic. The main feature film was Dog Day Afternoon. So it was the year 1975. Yes, there it is. I remember doing that with Kevin. And we had a great time because watching Dog Day Afternoon again, oh, you got to love that movie. Yeah, Brandon and I actually have a Patreon and the, the listeners vote on the Patreon for the episodes they want to hear. And they voted for us next to rate Best Picture 1975. And I am so excited for that. What a, what a great year. Also, I was still in high school. Thank you very much. So a great year in movies, a great year to go to my local art house theaters, which were the Ken in San Diego, which is now dying, and the Unicorn Long Dead. Um, But that was like art house theaters saved me in 1975. And speaking of 1975, a nominee from that year. Carol Kane's birthday is today, so a very happy birthday to Carol Kane. Happy birthday, Carol Kane. Yep, yep. Lot to love there. And no <laughs> Oscar, right? No, just the one nomination that year for um uh, Hester Street. Hester Street, yeah. Oh my god, to be having to ride that for so many years through so many fantastic performances. I will watch anything if it has Carol Kane in it. Love her. Absolutely love her. But unfortunately, this year doesn't have Carol Kane. Every year should have Carol Kane. I mean, let's yes. just say that. But unfortunately, this year doesn't. So with that said, your nominees are for supporting actress for 2011 were... Listen 
All right, let us start off with this year's winner, Octavia Spencer as Minnie Jackson in The Help. This is Octavia's first of three nominations, but her first and only win. Um, going into Oscar night, I actually was pretty surprised. She isn't really a critic's darling as she isn't nominated anywhere there except for the critic's choice, but she wins. And then she wins everything else, the Golden Globe, BAFTA, and SAG for supporting an ensemble. In The Help, again, Octavia plays Minnie, who is one of the maids who decides to literally take no shit by giving hers away and uh spoiler alert just <laughs> spoiler right and uh decides to be one of the maids to tell her story in a book that really exposes what was going on in 1960s um in the south so uh Thelma since you are our guest this week why don't you start us off on your thoughts regarding Octavia Spencer well, you know, we've kind of stepped in it, I have to say, this this time around, just because the help is now being reevaluated. <laughs> so um, I was happy, very happy to see Octavia Spencer step forward and get recognized for a career that, had, you know, had gone on for a long time and she's very talented. And I was happy to see her um, get nominated. Yeah. Brandon? So I remember really being quite happy for her um, in you know 2012, I guess it would have been, when she actually won. Um, I remember watching The Help and you know enjoying it when it came out, mostly because of the cast. I think the cast is stellar. I know the direction and the writing um, is pretty misguided, um, which is you know the big reason for the re-evaluation going on today. But um, just zeroing in on Octavia's performance, I think she's quite good here. Um, like Thelma was saying, she was someone who had been a small player and character actress for well over a decade at this point. In fact, I remember revisiting uh, being John Malkovich for our episode on that year, and she has a very quick scene in the elevator. And um, she just did little parts like that for so many years. And so it's really triumphant for someone like Octavia Spencer to finally get a role that lets her flex her muscles. And um, she ended up being rewarded for it. And I applaud her for that. It, as many, I think she's really strong. Um, she takes no shit, as Joey was saying. And um, she's very funny. I and am very not joining in, in that, pun, that pun cycle. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, she, well, let's see. What's another way of putting it? She is very, um, I don't know, independent. I'm, bl I'm going blank right now. But, um, you don't want that. Keep on yeah. coming. Yeah, so um, overall, I'd say I'm pretty on board with it. I see the win. I understand why uh, so many people grabbed onto this performance. And um, I don't really have all that many negatives to say about the performance itself. Mostly the negatives I have just are for the film in general and how it could have been improved with um, a different director and writer. But um, Joey, how do you feel about her? Um, I also, like everyone else, like you two just uh, mentioned, knew Octavia Spencer's work from the small parts that she had played beforehand. I mean, just the year before she won the Oscar, she played the opening victim in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. So, like, that that's is how... pretty pretty low. Good point there. <laughs> that, that's a very good point to bring up. Thank you. <laughs> such so, a great detail. 
<laughs> right. So, you know, it is oh. very much along the lines of, you know, this is the role that really broke her out into the mainstream. Without this, we wouldn't have had her in Hidden Figures or Shape of Water, even something like Ma or Loose, you know, like it all stemmed from this win. And therefore, I can't be mad at this win whatsoever. Regarding the performance, I think she's perfect as Minnie, to be honest. Um, do I find that, and this is again going to the re-evaluation, re do I find this role to be a little stereotypical Hollywood? Well, as a white man looking at how white Hollywood has been, especially at that time, yeah, I do. And I think that's why it's being reevaluated. Um, but all in all, 100%, I think she's perfect here. Well, that's the thing. You don't want to diss the, diss the star who finally who finally had a story where she could have a bigger role. Right, right. It's a, yeah. You know. Don't disagree there. Well, because you had brought up the wonderful Jessica Chastain, and we actually have a small little connection with her. We'll bring that up here shortly. Um, let's dive right into the next help lady. And that is Jessica Chastain in her breakout year. Um, she played Celia Foote. This is her first of two nominations. Going into Oscar night, she was actually the critic's darling. She gets the nominations from Golden Globe, BAFTA, Critics' Choice, and SAG, winning the ensemble part of that, um, the double nomination there. But she wins at LA Film Critics, National Society of Film Critics, and New York Film Critics Circle. Um, in the house, right. Jessica again plays Celia, who is kind of the outcast um, housewife of this time. I mean, she's really bullied. Uh, she's dealing with personal issues with not being able to carry a baby full term. Um, and she takes in Octavia Spencer's character, Minnie, and really shows her that there are true people out there. Um, so, Brandon, start us off this time with Jessica Chastain. I really like Jessica Chastain in this performance. Um, I find that this role really gives her a lot to play with. Uh, Celia is really funny, uh, intentionally or not, but uh, Chastain gets you to laugh with her, I think, as opposed to at her when she's, you know, burning food or doesn't know the basics of housekeeping, being a woman of this era. And she also gives you um, heartbreak. Um, you mentioned the miscarriages that she has. And revisiting this film, I forgot about the shot after her miscarriage where she's burying her miscarriage and there she's about to plant a tree in that spot and then you notice that there are like three other three or four little trees adjacent to that spot which you know is that visual cue that this is something that she has done many times and it makes perfect sense why she was so upset in the scene prior i mean of course of course she was upset it's a horrible horrible thing to happen to someone but um she really i think pulls at your heartstrings with this performance and um, also makes you laugh and feel bad for her. Like you said, she's the outcast in this um, society. Largely, she's largely a pariah because of the, the Bryce Dallas Howard character, uh, Miss Hilly, because she, um, Celia is now with Hilly's old beau or something like that. And so yeah, Hilly is- That's kind of a big deal because she's like, she's the out of towner with no friends. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And despite how hard she She's trying to make friends. She's trying to get into these circles. She's being rejected and pushed out 
because of who her husband happens to be, basically. So Jessica Chastain really is given a lot of opportunities here to connect with the audience on so many different levels. And I think she takes full advantage of it. And I think this is a really great first nomination for Jessica Chastain. Thelma, thoughts? My thought is it's a difficult one um, in in this. This year of looking back at 2011, we're talking about someone who's, you know, oh, I was going to look up and see, you know, this is the still the era of Harvey Weinstein, the, the help doesn't hold up. You know, it, it, it's difficult now as it was the year before when you did the King's Speech. You know, movies have a different... It's hard to take them straight on. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh no! Please talk. No, no. I, I, you know, I, I definitely see what you're saying there. This is a weird year because it felt like this is kind of where there was this tectonic shift in the industry. I mean, if you look at the y- year that 2011 is sandwiched in between, you have, for an example, 2010, which is known as the one of the strongest best actress lineups of all time, and one of the most solid best picture lineups. Then you look at 2012 and, you know, the solid best picture lineup plus the historic Emmanuel Riva being the eldest and Quivenjane Wallace being the youngest. And then you look at 2011 as a whole and it's like, what's going on here? So I definitely see, like, looking back at it, what you're regarding to there. Um, regarding, though, Chastain here, I fell in love with her from this. You know, 2011 was the big breakout year, like Thumb that you mentioned before. You know, just this year alone, she had the uh, she had uh, the help, the debt, Coriolanus, the Tree of Life. I mean, take shelter, Texas Killing Fields. She had no, she had come out of um, Juilliard in New York. Yeah, she had ended up on stage with Al Pacino, mm-hmm. who mentored her, and uh, this is really her first. This is her year climbing in, right? It was, it was. And, you know, it almost feels weird to say, like, maybe the nomination was her win to celebrate her year. But it, that saying that almost feels undeserving with how good she is here. Um, I think she's great. Uh, this is also another one that I have no issues with whatsoever. Um, with that said, we have a question from uh, Koislan on Twitter. Would you nominate Chastain's performance in The Tree of Life over The Help? Thelma? Okay, well, the the answer to that is there's always a balance between what they nominate you for and how much money it made at the box office. There's Mm -hmm. some, you know, there's some shift, but in this case, The Help was a big mainstream movie. And there were a lot of people inside and outside Hollywood who never even watched The Malik. Mm-hmm. You know, first you have to get the people to watch the film. In general, you can give me exceptions and I can, you know, bat them back at you. So, <laughs> Brandon? Uh, just on a personal taste level, when it comes to strictly the performance and not the films, I prefer her performance in The Help over Tree of Life. Um, Tree of Life, I, mean, I think I've said this a few times on this show. I, it's a movie I've only seen once way back when it came out. And I keep meaning to revisit it, and I never seem to do it. But um, it's possible that when I do that eventually, itself, right? Yeah, a little bit. But it's possible that when I do eventually watch it, because I'm sure I will at some point in my life, um, Chastain's performance will 
strike me in a way that it did not back then. Um, maybe with um, what nine, eight, nine years of time. Dreamy. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't a part that was written. You know, that was really fleshed out. It's like almost like her performance is a brushstroke. And if you like Malik, then you'll like the brushstroke. Well, for but- me. I've definitely gone over on record saying numerous times The Tree of Life is one of my all-time favorite films. Um, I will say, and I think we've talked about it actually in, in a Patreon episode, so I'll keep this brief. Um, I would nominate her for The Tree of Life, but I would have nominated her in lead. I think there's a solid argument there because she is one of the two points that Malik is trying to make. There's a way of nature and there's a way of nurture, and she is the way of nurture throughout the entire movie. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> So, okay. all right. Okay, <laughs> and we honor that, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm completely actually with you on that. Hell yeah, I got film on my side for that one. Love yeah, it. Yeah, for that one. Let's let's <laughs> well, let's move on. Let's see what's next. Let's, well, what is next? We have Bernice Vejo as Poppy and the Artist. This is her sole nomination. Do I have some funny juice for you guys on this one? Um, going into Oscar night, she actually is nominated at the Golden Globes for supporting. BAFTA puts her in lead as a nomination, Critics' Choice in supporting, SAG nomination for supporting, and she wins the César Award, which is the French Oscar for lead actress. In um, the artist, again, Berenice Pace Poppy, who is an up-and-coming star. She is discovered in old-school Hollywood from uh, uh, a, another big actor, and dances and charms her way to the top. Thelma, what do you think about Berenice Bejo as Poppy and the Artist? I, I remember it as being very charming. You know, that, that and, and yeah, that, that she fit into the whole mood of the movie. They had been making these movies together in France. This is the first movie that they made in English. And I think they actually were, pro, you know, enjoyed enjoyed the lifestyle while they were there and you can see it in the performances you know that would be my that would be my take it was always something that was like a souffle you know it was never something that was it was always supposed to be an entertainment and it succeeded because of that agreed yeah i i agree with uh salma for the most part i think uh bernice is very enchanting in this film um, she has a magnetism to her. Um, you enjoy watching her perform her dances. You like watching her succeed, her rise to fame in this movie. She's very charming. I think that was a very perf- that's a perfect word uh, that Thelma used there. Um, it's Thank kind you. of yeah. Uh, it kind of struck me in this weird way while watching the movie. I had this weird thought that Bernice Bejo reminded me of um, if Catherine Zeta Jones and Kristen Wiig had a baby whose grandmother oh was Liza Minnelli. It would be Bernice Bejo. What was that? I have trouble. I, that image is like hard to even conjure. Well, it's Bernice Bejo. That's the image. Um, <laughs> okay. I, don't know, I just have these weird thoughts while watching movies sometimes, and that was one of them. But um, I think uh, this movie is perfectly fine. Um, I know it gets a lot of flack for being an underwhelming um, or sometimes bad Best Picture winner. I don't think it's a bad film. I think it's perfectly fine. Uh, I think it succeeds at what it sets it's out to be. Crash, but it, That's it, true. You know, but if we talk about, okay, we're almost a decade, nine years later. And I mean, who, really, are people going to go back to the artist and go, 
are people going back to the artist the way you're going back to Spike Lee? No. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's the only reason point. the only reason I revisited this movie was for this episode. I don't know if I ever really would have felt the urge to otherwise. So, uh, but I think it I think it does manage to succeed at what it sets out to be, and Bernice Bejo succeeds at being what she needs to be in order to make the movie work. Um, I'm not. I don't love the film or her performance necessarily, but I think they work for what they're attempting to be. I'm not sure of another way of putting that. Uh, I guess on the whole, when I'm I, fine with I, it. I'll say when I first saw it, when it came out, how charmed I was by it. I found it very charming at the time. Mm -hmm. Didn't really bother me that it won or that it was nominated because it was charming. I think in retrospect, it's an example of Harvey Weinstein, you know, pushing something forward intensely through the whole season and knowing how to game it. But it's a it's a very entertaining, light movie that it's not particularly afterwards or years afterwards, all that memorable. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree with actually both of you here on that. Um, I want let me actually start you everyone off with the juicy little fun detail I have about this movie. So as we know by anyone listening by now, um, I was friends with Karen Black, the legendary rest in peace. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, talented as hell, Karen Black. Did she hate the artist? Oh my god. I remember she had been so pissed that it was not nominated for anything and then uh, won Best Picture and Actor and Director because she was like, you know what? The Artist is a cute movie. And just like Hugo, you don't nominate cute movies. Like, she was not about it. Like, she was very much team Moneyball everything that year. And so I remember when it came to, like, uh, the, uh, the actresses, she had voted for Janet McTeer and she had voted for uh, Rooney Mara that year. So that is my little tidbit of Karen Black memorabilia for you all. Um, mm. With that said. <laughs> and I have to say, was she sane in what she picked? <laughs> but we can, you know, <laughs> I guess those are. I've got to say that Rooney Mara still is. Well, we'll talk about it later in the show. <laughs> we will. We will. Um, to go off of Bernice, I, you know what? I think it's fine. I don't know if this is a role that will always be remembered as one of the greats ever nominated. And if there is anything that it was the cherry on a Bernice Bejo career, it was this nomination. Because honestly, it's been nine years. Where is she? I mean, I guess she's fine with, you know, staying in France. But, you know, we've seen that before with actresses like Mary Christine Barreau. Uh, or, um, uh, and of course, I can't think of any other foreign language. Oh, Anuka Me, even. Like, Anuka Me had her heyday for a little bit in the late 60s. But they never really capitalized on their American audience. And I think that's what she did here. Um, now, my question to you all, she wins at Cannes, and she's nominated at BAFTA for lead. Is she in the right category at the Oscars in supporting? I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I understand the argument that she's the female lead, but I mean, as we said, as I've said on a few times on the show, I don't really buy into that logic. I find that this is, um, I can't recall, uh, the, the, the guy's name. I can't remember. Jean Chardin? Is, yeah. It's very much his story. She's a big part of it, but the movie revolves around him. It's not really about her. So I'm okay with her being in supporting. What, what about you? What I, would say, what I would say on the issue is not, that it's not a logical issue. 
it's a marketing issue. And in this case, they thought they didn't have a chance in a, at, for best actress of someone that with an actress that nobody knew. They thought she had a chance given this group of people in supporting. There it is. Well, moving on, we have, uh, speaking of Janet McTeer, we have Janet McTeer as Hubert Page in Albert Nods. This is her second of two nominations. Going into Oscar night, just nominations across the board from the Golden Globes, the Spirits, the LA Film Critics, and SAG. In Albert Nobbs, again, Janet plays Hubert, who is a woman who disguises herself as a man in order to get work during a time where it was very hard for women to actually make a proper dollar in old-timey time, old timey Ireland. She's also living at the time with her wife, and she is discovered when she runs into Glenn Close, who we'll talk about in a little bit. So, Brandon, let's talk about Janet McTeer. Um, so I, I'm just generally puzzled by this movie. I remember being confused when it came out and revisiting this a few weeks ago. I'm still a little bit confused. Uh, I guess Janet McTeer is my favorite thing about it, but that's a low bar, <laughs> and I say that with a question mark. Um, I mean, I just like Janet McTeer, so maybe that is carrying over into this film. Um, I think she has a great presence. Um, I don't really know if I have any glowing things to say about her. Most of the negative things that I have are toward the film itself, sort of like the help. I think Janet McTeer is, like Bernice Bejo, doing her job. I don't know what else she could have done to elevate or save the film. I think she is, um, she showed up, she did her job well enough, she secured an Oscar nomination, and good for her. <laughs> and she took her shirt off. That's the, that's right. the rest on that one. Well, Thelma, do you want to go off of Brandon there with your thoughts? <laughs> we can go off with my thoughts. Um, <laughs> Janet McTeer, I mean, they named the movie Albert Nobbs. I, you know, I, I don't know many people who made it to, to the end of this movie. Um, <laughs> right? Unless they were paid, as many critics are, because they used to get paid to be critics. Um, Janet McTeer is wonderful in everything she does. Why not nominate her? It, but it, but you have to have a strong movie behind you. Yeah. And it's hard, it's hard to kind of discuss them individually one-to-one -one because, I mean, oddly, she's in the same position as Melissa McCarthy, who's in Bridesmaids, where people think, oh, well, Bridesmaids isn't an Oscars movie. Albert mm -hmm. Nobbs is completely an Oscar movie, it's just so niche. It didn't cross over the way the King's Speech did. Yeah, I would agree. Um, love my dear late friend Karen Black, but this one has me scratching my head. Um, <laughs> she was in the scariest thing I've ever seen. Which was? was I don't remember the name of the movie, but you two will. There are, it's tripartite. And one part is Karen Black and a little doll that ah, runs around the house with horrible teeth. What is that? Trilogy of Terror? Yes. Yeah, I, yes. And that little doll was the Zuni doll. 
oh, bless your heart that you know that. I don't think I ever have. But it was the scariest thing I ever saw in my childhood, other than Star Trek, I guess. But so anyone who's listened to the show knows that I gave Janet McTeer the Oscar in 99 for Tumbleweeds. And I stand behind that. With that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, That's an image of you behind the tumbleweeds. That is hard to receive. I love her, <laughs> I just she I just saw her and she was fantastic. She's in one of those series. She was I think it's she's in the White Princess with Jodie yep. Comer. Did you yeah. see is where she plays the mother? I have not seen it. I just know that she's in it. You should watch it. If you're into her, you should watch it. She's fantastic when she gets a scene. I wish they gave her more scenes. (laughs) Regarding this one, though, as much as I love her, you know, I think this she's doing really fine work. Like, I feel like this this role specifically. (laughs) She's doing really fine work is like a euphemism for what, may I ask? Well, that's this is where I'm going with that is I think this role would have translated better on the stage. And but I and Janet McTeer comes from a theatrical background or a theater background. So I think what she's doing here, she's doing stage work for the camera. And that's where I think it's fine because I see that. But it doesn't translate into a part that's memorable, I think, for film. But I do like Janet McTeer. So I'm going to say, you know what? I'll tip my hat slightly to her for this one. But this isn't one that I'm going home screaming about that people have to go see, first of all, the movie, but also because of Janet McTeer. So that's just me. Um, all right, and when on. you oh. think of Janet McTeer, the first thing that comes into your head is not Albert Knobs, right? It is As not. Some, right. It is not. For me, it's Tumbleweeds, but I'm one of the few. I'm one of the few there. All right. Um, last up, we have Melissa McCarthy as Megan in Bridesmaids. This is her first of two nominations thus far. Um, going into this, she really didn't have anything uh, except for a prayer. She uh, gets nominated at Critics' Choice and gets two SAG nominations for supporting an ensemble. In Bridesmaids, again, Melissa plays Megan, who is the outspoken party animal, takes no crap, but also gives no shit. Speaking of shit, again. Um, and I'm she's shocked. Just- <laughs> she's just a fun old time Thelma start us off what do you think about Melissa McCarthy and Bridesmaids listen I loved her she got dissed she proved everybody wrong I still don't think Bridesmaids is an Oscar movie call me stuffy you know it just <laughs> it made me laugh I can tell you my favorite scene when the, you know when they're in their outfits they're and they walk across the street and they've eaten something and it's just like so dumb and dumber. Great. It's really fun. But I, I, you know, and she steals the movie too. Agreed. I mean, but against, yeah, I don't, I think that that's a certain snobbery though, because I, in the, in the movie that she was nominated for again, and it, I never, can you ever forgive me the title of that wonderful movie that I would sing its praises forever? She definitely deserved that nomination. Is it the same thing, do you think, gentlemen? 
Brandon, want to start with that? Um, I love that Melissa McCarthy has two nominations, and they could not be more different. Um, I was a huge fan of Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, I think she's wonderful in that. I also think she's wonderful in Bridesmaids. I kind of really like when the Academy nominate something that's outside its wheelhouse and doesn't feel like an Oscars movie. I think that's a really bold and fun move whenever they do that because this performance does not scream Oscar. I don't know if anyone left that movie theater opening weekend and said that's going to be Melissa McCarthy's Oscar nomination because it's simply not that kind of role. But I think she's great. She steals every single scene she's in, whether she says anything or not. She just has this presence that you just feel so warm inside whenever you see her on screen. And she's just so funny whether it's verbal or facial or just using her body in an interesting way, like when she throws her leg up on the airplane and won't let that guy walk by. Um, you know what I'm talking about? And yeah, I know yeah. exactly, yeah. I think she's lovely. Um, she's hilarious. And it's a very big, it's a very big meaty supporting role. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, crude humor all the way through. She has some, a couple of sincere moments, like in the end when she's trying to get the Kristen Wiig character to wake up and stop being so selfish or what have you, or she's trying to get her to go to the wedding of her best friend. Um, so this movie does give Melissa McCarthy some levels to play with that's not just for laughs. Um, so I think that helped her in that regard. But I think she's wonderful here, and I don't besmirch this nomination whatsoever. I know this is probably an easy one for some people to write off the, the snobbery that Velma was saying. I could see a lot of people scoffing at this, but I am not one of those people. Yeah, I don't think I am either. As we all know by now, um, uh, you know, a part of my income comes from comedy. So I, I love comedy. And I think comedy needs to be recognized more at the Academy, especially because I consider it, and, you know, call it bias, call it whatever, but I, I've said it before, it is harder to make someone laugh than it is to cry. And comedy, I think, deserves way more respect. Um, this is on point. I, this is comedy done right, bringing that old saying back. Um, I think this is one of the most refreshing nominations of the last 20 years because it is so left field. I also would agree with Brandon. I don't like, or I don't, I don't, how, I think I just had a stroke. Let me try this again. I love- mind. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, thank you. I don't mind when the Academy brings in films that usually aren't in its wheel of quote-unquote nomination films. Um, now, there are some that make me scratch my head, and the first one that I can think about is uh, Brenda Vaccaro's Nom in 75 uh, for Jacqueline Suzanne's Once is Not Enough. I think that's just a very odd nomination. And I also think this is a very odd nomination, but this is an odd nomination that's remembered well. Um, I think it's slap-happy. Well, it turns out to be prescient. Yes. Yes. And I think this is one that is also very, yes, it can be crude. It also can't be crude. This can make you laugh your ass off. This can make you feel well. I mean, my favorite part in this movie is her very last scene where she's laughing because she, she, put, she put a loaded gun in her brother's carry-on bag. And she's talking about how TSA is going to rip him a new ass. I mean, it's just so natural. I applaud the Academy. Two claps for the Academy here. We have a couple questions. One is from uh, Breathing Brittany uh, on Twitter. Why do you think Mel Melissa McCarthy got a nomination here for a comedic role, but Tiffany Haddish couldn't in 2017, uh, despite winning the New York Film Critics Association Award? A lot of people hoped Tiffany could and would, and she ended up not getting it. It led to some conversations about race, amongst other things. Brandon, do you want to start with that one? 
So I love Tiffany Haddish in Girls Trip. Um, I think she's hilarious in that, and it would have been a very similar type of nomination. Uh, I feel like these characters are kindred spirits in a way, in terms of their energy. I think it probably does have a lot to do with race, and that being that people who are in these voting bodies are more likely to watch a movie like Bridesmaids than they are Girls Trip because they are more likely to see themselves in Bridesmaids because these voting bodies are largely white. Um, I think Tiffany Haddish's nomination would have been a welcome one for me. I can't speak to you know everyone, but I would have been perfectly okay with a nomination for her because again, I like when the Academy goes sort of outside of their own box and nominates these movies, especially the comedic ones that usually get brushed aside. But um, I simply think that Bridesmaids was just a more widely seen film, largely due to the um, skin color of the people in it. I don't think it's a simple equation, but I think it's that it's racism. I don't think it's, you know, I don't, mm -hmm. I, it's tricky because in this case, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't say that Girls Trip was like an Oscar movie. But now what is an Oscar movie? So things are changing. I agree with both of you. I think you both hit it on the head. Um, I don't think I can add anything else to that other than what you both said. So I'm actually gonna move on to the next uh, question we actually have from, speaking of Kevin Jacobson, Kevin Jacobson. Kevin Who Jacobson. Yes. Who else from the stellar ensemble of Bridesmaids and The Help deserved a nomination? Um, right off the bat, uh, I think you could have nominated almost any, any of the women from The Help. Um, Cicely Tyson, I think does great in her very, very small role. Um, I think Emma Stone, that would have been a worthy first nomination. Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, you know, when it comes to Bridesmaids, there's only really one other actor who I'd nominate, and that's actually Wendy McClendon-Covey. I think she's perfect in that. What about you two? When it comes to the help, Bryce Dallas Howard, I guess, is the one who um, leaves the biggest impression on me of the women who weren't nominated. And when it comes to Bridesmaids, I just love Rose Byrne so much that I would have been perfectly okay with recognition for her. I agree with Rose Byrne. She's just <clears throat> continuously lovely. And it's, it's nice to see her be kind of the straight woman. Yep. Yep. Agreed on all accounts. Anything else for anybody about the supporting ladies that we've talked about before we move on to the leads? I keep going back to how wonderful that year was for Jessica Chastain. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, so many great, very different roles. And also looking at this year, at this, at 2011, you realize that all, I'm not sure what that sound is. That's my computer. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I'm happy it's your computer, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think other than Bernice Bejo, who continues, who is part of a troupe of French filmmakers who worked together um, and went back to France probably quite happily. I wish I was there with her. If you look at everybody else on this list, they just have continued. And basically every supporting person in the help could have had their own movie. They were the kind of roles where they really could have been leads. They could have shifted the lead and gotten a different perspective. And none of these are kind of one scene wonders. Mm -hmm. yeah. Also not something that I can disagree with. 
So shall we move on to the leading ladies? Let's do it. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, <laughs> your nominees for Best Actress in a Leading Role in 2011 were... All right, so let's start off with our winner for the year. That is Meryl Streep winning for The Iron Lady. Um, going into this, she wins the Golden Globe for Drama, the BAFTA, the New York Film Critics uh, Circle Award. She's also recognized with SAG Critics' Choice and with the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards, my favorite precursor. <laughs> In The Iron Lady, Meryl Streep plays Margaret Thatcher, and the movie chronicles her life as a young woman working in her father's business, to her time as a member of parliament, to ultimately serving as prime minister, then uh, concluding with her twilight years, let's say. So, Thelma, how do you feel about Meryl and the Iron Lady? Oh, good question. I remember this very well this year. I remember the biggest challenge to her and that really jewel box of a movie was the fact that it was a conservative and that mm -hmm. people weren't sure the whether to reward that character even though Meryl got so deep into it. Um, I, found it I found it very thrilling because even though I didn't agree with her politics, she, she was a woman who knew how to deal with power. And this, you know, in 2011, she was the center of this movie. She held the movie and people went to see it because Meryl Streep starred. I'm very pro Meryl on this. Yeah, um, this was this is not a great movie that has aged well in that manner, um, for the reasons of uh, what Thelma just mentioned, and of course, you know, the political climate when this came out was very different than it is now. So that also plays a played a big part into this film. You know, this film is interesting to me. I remember Sally Kirkland saying. She went to see this film at a screening at the Academy. And when the movie started, your very first scene of Margaret Thatcher is her buying milk. And she leaned over to the person next to her and said, who's that woman? And couldn't realize that it was Meryl Streep. Now, I'm going to say maybe that is definitely a reasoning on why uh, this one best makeup. But I also think that is the classic, ex classic example of Meryl being lost in her characters. I mean, we have to think about also when this came out as well. 
Merrill was coming off of a hot couple of years between Doubt, the success of Mamma Mia, It's Complicated, Julie and Julia. I mean, even the Devil Wears Prada plays into this, this one as well. This was definitely a campaign win and a Merrill acting win. Um, you know, the campaign played on the fact that at this point she hadn't won in 29 years. Um, I mean, this nomination is like one of her 7,000 that she has. And so, you know, that played a big part into it. Do I love that I got to witness in person in my lifetime, in my 28 years so far, the only time Meryl Streep has won an Oscar? Yeah, I've been able to see it because obviously I wasn't around when she won for Kramer and I wasn't around when she won for Sophie. Um, do I think this win aged very well? I don't know. Um, but I think what Meryl is doing here is spectacular. You know, Margaret Thatcher had such a way of talking. I don't think I've ever heard another English person speak like Thatcher did. And I think Meryl's Oscar clip really proves that the many men before me and, you know, shall I play mother, you know, black or white? Uh, how do you take your tea out? I think, I think, you know, it's all very specific and who better to do that type of accent than the queen of accents herself, Meryl Streep. So, you know what? This movie doesn't age well. I kind of dig it. I dig this win. Brandon? I have some mixed feelings on it, to be honest. Um, I think Meryl does definitely get lost in this part. Um, she really dives in in the way Meryl tends to do. I think she's most successful when she's playing the older version of Thatcher. Um, I think I just believe her more in those scenes than I do when she's playing um, the Thatcher who's coming up in Parliament and... Um, first gets the uh, prime minister position. Um, this movie is another one from this year that um, I have some issues with the direction. I find this movie kind of confusing in what it's trying to say. I'm not really sure when it's over, if it was trying to criticize Thatcher and what she did, or if it's trying to uplift her. It feels kind of muddy in a way, and I'm not sure if that was intentional or if that was um, just a failure on the part of the filmmakers. Um, I think what they were attempting to do was to paint a portrait of a woman who could have been a great feminist icon had her politics not been horrible. You know what I mean? But um, all that got in her way and she is now one of the most reviled people in 20th century politics. Uh, Meryl, though, I think does pretty well with the part. Um, yeah, I can see where Thelma's coming from, where a lot of people are probably iffy on it because of who Meryl is playing. Um, you don't, sometimes I think people are hesitant to award a character or a historical figure who they don't like, despite the performance that is bringing it to life. But, um, Meryl is Meryl, and um, when she's really sinking her teeth into a part, there's almost no stopping her. So um, even though I'm not over the moon with it, I understand the win, and I can see why so many people um, do defend it. I would say yep. also just, I think it humanizes Margaret Thatcher. It really tries to capture who she was as a at that moment as a person beyond just the office. And I think, that, and, and you don't have to agree with someone's politics to, to respect how they stepped up against the grain and understand that she might not have been, a, she might not have been a feminist cap F, mm -hmm. but she certainly 
she ran a country. That is that's leading by example. So, yeah. So I maybe I am softer on it because I think it's the kind of movie I like. It's very smart. It's there's very good dialogue. It's a biopic that's a very specific period of time. Um it's it holds up for me. Okay. Um you know what? It's I no, I will hold off my the last couple thoughts I have for the ranking. It'll actually fit in with my ranking perfect. So, I'm good okay. there. Yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. I have a couple other thoughts, but I think it'll make more sense when I'm um, explaining my ranking of the performance. Uh, so next, we have Glenn Close nominated for Albert Knobs. Um, going into this, she wins the coveted AARP Movies for Grownups Awards. And that is the only precursor she wins, but she is recognized with the Golden Globe for drama and with SAG. In Albert Knobs, Glenn Close plays the titular role Albert Knobs, who is struggling to get by in a time when women could not exist independently. So Albert poses as a man to get work as a butler in an Irish hotel. So, um, Joey, how do you feel about Glenn Close and Albert Knobs? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the last nomination she had before this was 1988's Dangerous Liaisons, which was a fantastic, fantastic nomination for Glenn Close, who uh, she was my runner-up that year to Sigourney Weaver for Gorillaz. Um, so to have such a long gap in between and to make your big Oscar return, and it's this... Um, yeah, like the movie, this nomination isn't great. Um, in fact, I think Brandon hit it on the head earlier with saying <laughs> Janet McTeer was really the best thing about this movie, and even that's, you know, a lot. Um, I don't have words for this, and it's not in a good way. I will just say there were choices made, and this movie as a whole was one of those choices. Um, Thelma, what do you think? God, I thought we killed the Albert Knobs thing already. <laughs> so that the idea that someone would be a contender on a film that basically anyone watching on DVR would stop watching after a certain point. Um, Glenn, we really love you. We really do. You're always good. Hmm. But that movie, no. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a troublesome movie. I'm I'm puzzled by this one as well. I'm not sure what it's ultimately saying about gender and all that by the end. It seems very muddy in its politics and the thesis that it is trying to make. So I'm just I'm just gonna politely disregard or theorize about whatever the hell this movie is trying to say because I don't even think it knows what it's trying to say or what it's trying to be. Uh, Glenn Close, I think, is... Um, I think she was really going for that Oscar with this one. It feels like a role that was taken on and performed as if each moment could have conceivably been her Oscar clip. And 
she is, I think she's trying to pull off what she wanted people to think of as a transformative part. And I guess in a way it sort of is, but it, it always feels very put on to me. It feels like she's playing pretend whenever I see her on screen in this. And I love Glenn Close. I gave her the win for Dangerous Liaisons that year. And yeah, she's my winner for uh, 1988. And so I love Glenn Close. Uh, This one, though, is a bit of a head scratcher for me. Um, I think she's really going for it and not in a good way. Um, This one, too, just it makes it makes me laugh to know this got in when you had performances like Elizabeth Olsen and Martha Marcini Marlene or Kristen Dunst and Melancholia are, you know, I would have to say Kristen Dunst and Melancholia. If she was on any list, I, Mm -hmm. she would get my vote. Me too. That movie, speaking of, I'm just going off the cuff. Speaking of movies (laughs) that age really well, Melancholia. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, a big favorite that year, too, was um, We Need to Talk About Kevin for... Uh, uh, oh, my God. Fantastic Swinton, movie. You know? And this is what got in over those three? Mm, I would like to see those results. Also, uh, Charlize Theron with um, oh, Young, Young Adult. Adult. Yep. So there were several uh, performances that, that could have been nominated. That had a campaign, yeah. Yeah. I remember but... seeing an Albert Knobs for your... Because I lived in uh, L.A. during this season i remember seeing an albert's knobs fyc because i lived across the street from the director's guild on sunset that had like albert knobs for your consideration best director best picture best song and i'm like that's a no (laughs) that's all a choice oh that's right because glenn close is really going for that oscar because she wrote that song yep yep. that ended up not getting nominated but she really wanted an oscar this year yep she plays most scenes as if as if she's trying her very hardest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the best and worst of ways, you know, in the best of ways. It's almost admirable. She's really flexing for the camera, it's, but it's, it's it, admirable. It is yeah. admirable. Yeah, but ultimately it's a put off, a turnoff for me. Huh. Oh, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I have not I have not figured this I have not really made my peace. With Albert Knobs? No, with, <laughs> I haven't really given a deep thought on Glenn Close. Mm. And uh, I really, really like her. Yeah. I, I just am like, oh, do you want to watch a Glenn Close movie next? No, I have my Guillermo sweater on. I want to watch what we do in the shadows. That's <laughs> so good. I mean, I guess, I mean, part of it is this moment in time where I'm looking at these things going, it is never going to be like this again. And I'm trying to do this very, for you gentlemen, very straight. But I'm like, oh, my goodness. Who would have thought Rooney Mari, Rooney Mara, now the baby mama of Joaquin Phoenix? I forgot about that. Can you guys, I mean, I'm sorry that I'm not doing it in proper format. You're fine, you're fine. But 
I know my week with Marilyn. It seems to me I was at Yahoo and it and they really she is lovely, Michelle Williams, but I think that it was really a Weinstein push. Like he really wanted her to get a nomination. Like mm. like it's hard to it's hard to look at these and not see that kind of the finger of Harvey during this this year, you know? Right. Yeah, that's, you know, everything that went down with that, it's, you know, we review this and we always, have, you know, he always comes up in conversation and it's unfortunate, but it's the reality of the Oscars and the Academy from 1998 up until literally just a few years ago. So trust me, we get it. <laughs> I mean, look at, how can we do this without context? How can you look at Viola Davis who almost won for the help and that the most gracious moment of the night was her and Meryl Streep it seems to me but how can you not look at this and go she has said she wished she didn't do that part mm -hmm. you know yeah. it's it it's like everything that is loaded yeah well uh with that, I guess we'll just transition right into Viola Davis for the help. Um, this is her second of three nominations, uh, having come off coming off of Doubt a few years prior. Going into this, she wins with SAG and with Critics' Choice, and she's nominated with the Globes and BAFTA. In the help, Viola Davis plays Abilene Clark, a black maid in segregated Mississippi who has endured a lifetime of racism and abuse then agrees to open up to her employer's white best friend who's writing a book about the help. So Thelma, uh, how about you just continue your thoughts through how you feel about Viola Davis's performance in the help? Well, she's in the lead. We're talking about a black woman in the lead role. That is, that's a change, that's a positive. This was when people weren't necessarily talking about roles it, the ubiquity of people talking about roles for people of color and roles for women and women behind the camera was was an was a fight at this moment. So I have to say, I can't revisionist history the help out of my mind. I can't say it's not there that I didn't see it, that I didn't like the book, that I didn't, you know. Um, and that I did not like Viola Davis in a lead role. She went on to do so many leads and so many fantastic series TV, but she was very strong in this movie and deserved to be in this group. And Joey? So I will give credit where credit is due, and that is what Thelma had just mentioned. You know, Viola very much made history in this category as being one of the few um, uh, black actresses to break into leading actress category. Um, also to with compliments, I also feel like, you know, cause that's why we do this. I have to give some criticism here. When we first talked about doubt, I mentioned Viola Davis has a shtick and this would be the second stop on what I consider the Viola Davis snot nose express and she has actually mentioned this oh on, my goodness what is well, that yeah so it, the funny thing about this i think she mentioned it on fallon or stephen colbert one of the two 
when she cries because she was doing um, uh, campaign stuff for fences and he mentioned the snotty nose that she gets when she cries. So if you look at the doubt with her scene, she does the crying snotty nose there. When she does it in the help, she's also doing it there. And then when she did it, we'll talk about it in fences, she did it there. So Viola Davis's three nominations have what I call a shtick nomination, um, where it's her go-to in order to get nominated. I, I will say that I do think is the Viola Davis go-to. Um, now, one thing I also want to mention is The Help is an ensemble piece. If there, there is one main character that really brings everyone together it, it through all their stories, it's Emma Stone's Skeeter. Um, Viola Davis has 43 minutes of screen time compared to Octavia Spencer's 37. There's really not that big of a difference there. And I don't know if she's in the right category here. Um, that's, I think, my only complaint. Um, because it's not Abilene's story, essentially. It's everyone's story. And Skeeter is the one that's is sewing it all together. Um, you know, this very much was neck and neck between her and Streep. And, you know, you can't change history. That's the way it is. I'm not taking that away from her. Um, I will say, you know, I think it's... I think it's interesting between this and Fences, which we'll get to in a couple years. Uh, but... I think there was more. This was more of a campaign strategy to get her nominated because I don't really don't think that the help would have nominated three actresses in supporting. That's just me, Brandon. I'm perfectly okay with her being in lead. Um, I think it is largely her story. The Emma Stone character is just sort of the vehicle for her story. Um, this movie mainly centers around Abilene and um, all of the hardships that she goes through. Um, I understand that Viola Davis has a tool bag as an actor, uh, but just about every actor has a kit of some sort that they pull um, various tools and instruments out of when they're playing parts. And in this particular performance, I think it works, what Viola Davis is doing. Um, I know she has expressed um, feelings about this film, uh, things that we've already mentioned. Uh, it mostly has to do with the movie just being misguided and putting the white women just a little bit too close to the forefront of the film instead of focusing on the help, um, if you will. Um, but um, that's not to say that Viola Davis gives a bad performance here because I don't think she does. I think she's really strong in this uh, part. She also has kind of like with uh, Jessica Chastain, she has moments of humor, she has moments of heartbreak, and she has really endearing moments. And this movie really gives her a lot of opportunities to show the very different facets of Abilene. And um, this role, I think, has managed to be the image that a lot of people think of when they think of Viola Davis, um, for whatever reason that is. But I think a big reason for that is that she is simply really good in this part. Well, if you talk about whose movie it is, the final shots are her. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the only thing I have to add to what you've said already on that case. She's wonderful. Snotty nose and everything. <laughs> um, we don't really have any questions about Viola Davis. One we just kind of answered, so I'll just shout them out. Um, Jeffrey Carey did just ask, Viola Davis received the Best Actress nom for The Help despite Emma Stone being the star of that film, would you personally consider Davis to be lead or supporting? There you go, Jeffrey. We answered that. Mm. 
Well, there's there a go. different question there, which is, it's a book. It's a really thorny question. This is not really a setup for thorny questions, but the thorny question here is, you've really got a cast of black women and then you're going to have the best actress be Emma Stone and nominate her. Um, and it was early in her career, so, and she got mm -hmm. nominated early, but um, I think that's really pokes the, pokes the, problem of the movie mm -hmm. it's that they would they couldn't like girls trip which is all mm -hmm. you know they couldn't do a movie that and it's written by a white woman you can't take that out of the dna it's about her experience and her relationship to the people who work for her family or other people's family you it's in the dna this complicated thing no you can't remove a statue and change it. You can't turn around and say, I wish I hadn't played that part. Although Spike Lee, the, the week that I see Spike Lee say, Woody Allen, my friend, oh, wait, no, is that, uh, uh, come the revolution. Yeah. Right. It's a, The Help is a well-intentioned film, but ultimately, misguided in the way that it's told i would say you know um mm -hmm. i i when it comes to who's the star of the film i see i i honestly see viola davis as the star of this movie i don't think of this as emma stone's film even though i would say they're co-leads because emma stone's a very vital uh character in this movie and um she has a huge presence in it but i I really don't think of the help and think that's Emma Stone's film. So I want to side note this really quick. One of our followers, um, he is a uh, person of color and met Viola Davis when Viola was campaigning for faces. And he is on the fence. Well, he's not on the fence. He's on the side of the fence that is very much that she is a supporting role in this movie. And actually he had told me that went up to Viola Davis and asked, why are you campaigning in fences after you in the wrong role or in the wrong category after your last false campaign backfired in the help? And I was like, damn, like totally just called her out on the category fraudness. So that's baby Clyde for you. Pause. It might, she might not have made the, the call. I mean, these are big white guys in big offices who decide how they're going to market and you know a lot there's a bunch of people sitting around she, she not at least during the time of the help it wasn't like she had a she had something that said you have to nominate me as best actress you know that's again that's an industry thing not an art thing to me it might you know yeah yeah it's it's not just the actor's decision. Whether they want to be in a category or not, it's ultimately not their decision alone. Not by, not by a long shot. Oh, well, uh, next we have Rooney Mara, nominated for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. This is her first of two nominations. Going into this, her only win is with National Board of Review, and that was a breakthrough award. And she is also recognized with the Globes, the MTV Movie Awards, and the Saturn Awards. In Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Rooney Mara plays uh, Lizbeth Salander, a young computer hacker with a grim past 
who agrees to help a disgraced journalist catch a killer of women. So, Joey, we'll start with you this time. How do you feel about Rooney Mara and the girl with the dragon tattoo? It is absolutely no surprise that Rooney Mara is my favorite actress of my generation. Um, I really, really like her. And it actually started a little bit before um, uh, the social network, even with a little independent film called Dare. Um, getting to this, uh, Rooney had a very interesting couple of years, she, or two years there. She had the horribly reviewed Nightmare on Elm Street remake, then did Social Network, and then did this. And I remember really following the casting of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and seeing Mara's name on the shortlist and praying that she would get it. And then I saw the movie. And I could not have been more pleased with it. I really, really like her in this. I think she was the perfect fit for the American remake of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I would also like to note, this is my favorite David Fincher movie. Um, everything from the cinematography to the opening credits to the soundtrack. I mean, I just think this is pitch perfect. Um, I could not have been more thrilled for Rooney Mara getting this nomination and also playing this role. I think what she does is very seductive, yet sinister, yet I could totally root for her because in the end, what she's trying to do is the right thing. Um, I'm all about this. I've got no complaints about it whatsoever. And if, I mean, my, if, my, if I have any complaints, it's the fact that she was never able to continue with her and Fincher's trilogy. Um, whatever Claire Foy did, I don't even know. I didn't even see that movie. Um, you know, I tried reading the books. I never could get into Stig Larsson's writing, but the films, whether they were the Swedish version with Numi Rapace or this one, I absolutely loved it. So I think this is pitch perfect. Thelma, how about you? <laughs> love it, um, love it. <laughs> everything you said is right. Um, well, I would say <laughs> as as that I love Numi Rapace and I could never see Rooney Mara step in. I had read all the books, had this really this idea of this complex woman. And then Fincher shifts the focus to the man. And I, I mean, I didn't even, that to me, going back on that, not such a big thing. I just have to say that the Scandinavian version was just perfect. And so I could never make this, this seemed plastic to me. Um, Ain't Them Body Saints, her next movie, she might have made it before or after, I don't know, came out after, is the first time I saw, like, what she could be. Mm -hmm. But super not carrying this big movie with Daniel Craig. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the middle um, with you two. I think Rooney Mara, as a performer, is quite good in this film. I don't know that she's always supported by the movie itself, but I find her very um, compelling and spellbinding when she's on screen. She sort of has this, um, I don't know what it is, but she has this sort of talent of really drawing me in, in this film and in other ones that she does. Uh, I also really like that this was nominated just as a performance. This is another one that I feel is not necessarily a go-to Oscar nom nomination or a no, performance it's not. that would, mm -hmm. yeah, 
right. not a performance that would normally get nominated. Like with Melissa McCarthy, I don't know how many people were seeing her old dragon tattoo and saying, there's Rooney Mara's Oscar. It just doesn't. Well, you're an outlier. You did. You're an outlier. <laughs> I would know. I, no, to really go off of that really quick. I saw this at the Arclight in L.A. when it had Please come out. Please go off on it at length. I saw this at the Arclight in LA with a big group. There were there were press there. Um, there were a couple of Academy members, and I went with my with my roommate at the time, and uh, went saw it. And I remember just this buzz in the audience. And there that conversation specifically had come up: Is this going to be it? Is this not going to be it? And I was like, honestly, I think this is going to be it. Um, whether that it had been a win or a nomination, obviously history says it was the nomination, but the room was very divided. And I happened to be on the side where I was like, yep, she's going to get in. And then of course, really only the Globes had recognized it. So it was very up in the air. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, I was on the side of this is going to be your nomination. Would that be the ingenue nomination? Would you call yes. her an ingenue at that moment? Yeah, because you have to remember that this was the year, you know, every year there seems to be one woman who, or in, in Quiven Jenny Wallace's case, one girl who breaks out, who it's the it girl of the Oscar season. That happened to be Jessica Chastain. So Mara couldn't fill that position. So Mara got the ingenue nomination, just like Ruth Nega got the ingenue no nomination for Loving in 2016, you know? Um, God, that was a performance. I love that movie. Just yeah. shout out to Ruth Nega. Shout out to Loving <laughs> and Loving Week. Yes, Loving Week. Um, but yeah, that's my cut and I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I was kind of um, reaching my conclusion that uh, <laughs> I, I ultimately dig this nomination um, just because, you know, it's so out there for the Academy. And I think Rooney Mar is quite good. I don't just like it because it's out there. I think she really sells it and really does everything that she can. I think she's riveting in scenes where she's, um, like when she seeks revenge on the um, social worker or whatever you call him, who is in control of her finances and then rapes her and then she attacks him back. And I think that scene, that scene like makes me uncomfortable when I watch it. And it's not just Fincher's direction of it. It's how deep Rooney Mara gets into it. And uh, she just has this really unique ability to sort of just fit molds, I think, whatever film she's in. And um, this is one that I think demanded a lot of her physically and uh, emotionally, mentally. And even though Fincher is not always building her up in the way that um, the actress in the previous version of this film was held up, I think she still manages to really deliver um, a pretty spellbinding performance. Um, yeah, I just want to point out, too, really quick, that this, remember, was the uh, Scarlett O'Hara role of this decade. I mean, this was the role that everyone went out for. Um, Lorraine Mayfield, who was the casting director for this, did a behind-the-scenes interview for the Blu-ray and said they really looked at everyone for this role. Um, you know, they looked at moms or librarians from Ohio to soccer moms from Wisconsin. Everyone sent in a tape. And then, of course, you know, Natalie Portman was offered the role first, turned it down. Then Scarlett Johansson turned it down. And they really created a quote-unquote long-ass shortlist for this, this uh, role. So to go off of Thelma's question, no, I don't think she was the breakout role because that was, you know, again, Jessica Chastain's year. But I think that's why she got the Ingenue nomination here. So 
Yeah, this was the role to have in Hollywood that year. It's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, we have our final nominee next. That is Michelle Williams, nominated for My Week with Marilyn. This is her third of four nominations. And going into this, she wins the Golden Globe for Comedy Musical, as well as the Film Independent Spirit Award. Going into this, she's nominated with BAFTA, SAG, Critics' Choice, and the New York Film Critics. In My Week with Marilyn, Michelle Williams plays Marilyn Monroe as she struggles to film The Prince and The Showgirl under the intense direction of Sir Laurence Olivier. So Thelma, finish us out here. How do you feel about Michelle Williams in My Week with Marilyn? I, I, you know, I loved her in this. She, she had worked really hard, um, which is also like a Glenn Close thing. She was lovely and sexy and voluptuous. And I think My Week with Marilyn just wasn't, didn't end strong. It just wasn't strong enough. Um, it was strong enough to get her that one nomination, but not strong enough the whole movie. Yeah, it's funny. When you hear her precursors, you know, she wins some critics awards. She wins essentially two big precursors before the Oscars, too, with the Globe and the Independent Spirit Awards, but was never really a factor in this race. She was considered at that time the dark horse to possibly win. And that's even with Weinstein on her side for this. Um, because this really came down to Viola versus Merrill in this category. And it, it, it's kind of interesting because normally in this case, it would have been possibly a three-way tie. And really she was never considered a, a threat here. Um, so unfortunately, I think that's just timing, unfortunate timing for Williams in that part. Um, regarding the role though, this is one of those few bio, I don't I, I maybe we can consider this a biopic. I'm going to just say It is a biopic. It's a biopic okay. with a, with a specific timeline that's short. Mm -hmm. yeah. is, is all. It's a week with Marilyn, but it's still a biopic. <laughs> exactly. So that's, you know, I think this is one of the few where it, it actually works for me. You know, she had the voice down. She had the, the, the the being down she had the movements she had everything um i think it's just one of those things too where despite it being you know the biopic that works in the form of the character it's not a biopic that works in the form of the movie um you know i, I even forgot kenneth brana was nominated here for supporting actor i mean uh, hello i don't think anyone remembers that not even kenneth um so yeah, I, it works for me on a character level. I think Michelle Williams is really good here. I, I have no complaints on her acting. I think it's just one of those things where the film sucks. Yeah, I agree. I don't think this movie deserves Michelle Williams. I don't think, I think it she's, sucks. You know, but I think like lukewarm maybe. But yeah, it, it's a perfectly all right movie with a wonderful <laughs> leading performance. Uh, Michelle Williams, I think, really. She, I think she kind of loses herself in this one, too, kind of like uh, Meryl and um, I was going to say Glenn Close, but I don't know if I would say Glenn Close loses herself. Uh, it feels less put on than Glenn Close's Albert Nobbs, and it feels less showy, I guess you could say, than Iron Lady. It feels very natural, this um, way that Michelle Williams is becoming Marilyn Monroe. Um, like, I watched the movie, and I'm very aware that it's Michelle Williams. I don't necessarily forget that I'm watching Michelle Williams, but I think she captures the essence 
of who she's playing very believably. I don't think she's necessarily transforming, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, I think she's just, she's very confident in her performance, and she's very in control of what she's doing. She has the voice down. She understands how to use her face and her body to really um, capture this, this very specific pop culture icon that everyone seems to have an impression of. It seems like everyone has this idea of who Marilyn Monroe is. And I think Michelle Williams manages to, um, to really live up to everyone's expectations in that way. It feels very specific to who she's playing and yet universal in a way. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but um, I really dig what Michelle Williams is doing here. I would say she also had momentum that her performance in Blue Valentine Mm-hmm. was so amazing and so natural and such a force of nature and didn't win the previous year that it pushed her forward at a more conventional role because she got, she really deserved it. Well, there, you know, every year is different, but she was fantastic in Blue Valentine. Yeah. Yeah, I think that definitely, you know, is also a weird factor is the fact that she was coming off of Blue Valentine. This is a consecutive nomination, still wins all these precursors. But I cannot find a rhyme or reason other than publicity that she wasn't a a, a threat here to win. It blows my mind with that. I mean, I can't think of anybody else who wins. Well, I mean, I guess Glenn Close and the wife, but who wins all these precursors and then, well, no, she was always considered a threat, but no, you know what I mean? Like who else wins this much and is never considered a threat to win the Oscar. It's baffling to me. It doesn't baffle me in terms of the knowledge that, that, you know, either a movie really roots itself with people with viewers or it doesn't. Um, and then there's the Harvey factor, whether he can just shoehorn it in. Um, in those days, at that time, in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, I, she's, she's coasting on the, on the previous year. And bio, people like biopics. Yeah. yeah. Um, Agreed. I, I have a feeling that this movie weren't quite so underwhelming, she might have been more of a threat. Um, The movie's okay. I mean, as I said earlier, and I think we all pretty much said that, but if the movie had been on another higher level, I think she might have been a more um, viable threat than she was. Okay. Does that make any sense? (laughs) It does. It does. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Uh, do you have anything? You're, you're doing a hypothetical, and yes, hypothetically, yes. Yeah. She's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else on Williams before we get to our ranking of the supporting ladies? Not I. Okay, um, well. Um, I'm just trying to... Okay, then let's onward to ranking. Okay. I like, I like, I like your style. Let's, uh, all right, just as a reminder of our nominees for the supporting actress category, we had winner Octavia Spencer, Janet McTeer. Jessica Chastain, Melissa McCarthy. And number five, I'm giving last place to Berenice Bejo. That's only because, for me, she's in the wrong category. And I don't reward category fraud performances because I don't think it's fair to the other people in the lineup. So, therefore, I'm giving Berenice fifth spot. Thelma, how about you? My 
fifth is is very clear. My fifth is absolutely McTeer. And absolutely because Albert Knobs, really? Understood. Yeah. <laughs> Understood there. Uh, Brandon? I've, I've been going back and forth on my four and five, but I think I'm going to side with Velma here and put McTeer at number five because I, she's, McTeer is the quote-unquote best thing about Albert Knobs, but that's not really saying much. Um, I think she's perfectly all right, but um, not Oscar-worthy in my mind. Well, I agree with you both with McTeer being lower. Um, I'm going to put her at four. Again, she might have been lower had someone else been in the supporting role of Bejo. But yeah, McTeer's at four. Hey, I gave her the win for Tumbleweed, so at least she's got one for me. Um, Thelma, who is your number four? My number four is... Love Melissa McCarthy. I just wasn't feeling Bridesmaids. As a as the, as a movie that should be Oscars, that's I, that's a bias though. I can mm. see where you would think otherwise. So I'm putting McCarthy at four, though I love her. Bernice Bejo is my number four. I think she's perfectly charming in The Artist, and she does exactly what's um, expected of her. But it's not exactly the type of performance that I gravitate toward as a viewer. So Bernice Bejo is my number four for The Artist. My number three is this year's winner, Octavia Spencer. Um, while I love that she has an Oscar, and without it, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have gotten the last decade of Spencer that we had, and I will never take that away from her. Me, on a personal note, I think she's doing just fine work here. Um, I don't think, from the other work that I've seen from her, it's such a stretch of a character. Um, but I understand the sentiment of the help at that time, and I have to look at, back at it as a voter in 2011 for this. Um, but yeah, I think she's she's doing really good work here, but it, it's right in the middle for me. Thelma? Number three, show. Totally lovely, totally happy, floaty, beautiful movie. That's evanescent and in the moment and then forgettable. She's lovely in it. But number three, lovely is not enough. My top three is pretty neck and neck, and I'd be okay with any of them having one. But today I'm putting Melissa McCarthy at number three for Bridesmaids. I love this nomination. Um, I love that Melissa McCarthy was able to make this happen um, and score it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's very neck and neck, and I'm just really splitting hairs here. Uh, it's just not exactly my cup of tea. So Melissa McCarthy is my number three for Bridesmaids. So my number two is Melissa McCarthy. That's right, people. Melissa McCarthy is my runner-up this year. So pick your jaws up off the floor. Um, with Jessica I'm Chastain. shocked. Shocked. <laughs> Trust me. I don't. I have a feeling that you won't be the only one there. Um, <laughs> Jessica Chastain is my winner. Let me start with McCarthy. For years since the ceremony, this has been my winner. Always. And it was going to be my winner coming into this until about two weeks ago. I ended up revisiting both Bridesmaids and The Help back-to-back and got so much more on a whole different level of connection and sadness and overwhelming mood with Chastain than I did McCarthy. So had we done this without me revisiting these two, absolutely McCarthy would have won, no doubt. Chastain, though, pitch perfect. 
What a debut at the Oscars. What a role. What an underrated role. And honestly, she was probably the runner-up in general because she was the critic's darling and is the only one really out of all the other ladies outside of Bejo's Cesar win to win anything. Um, I just think this was a missed opportunity from the Academy. Looking back, I would have given it to Chastain. How about you, Thelma? Who's your runner-up and then your number one? Runner-up? I switched them. My runner-up is now Spencer because she's shown since then that she can do that role like again and again and again. I very much enjoy her. I very much enjoyed that role. Um, but I think Chastain, it's really for her for all the movies she did this year. That that was something I was on the New York Film Critics Circle. That was that we weighed that in the balance, how amazing she was in Malik. And that that gave her momentum that, that should have taken her all the way to the win um, with the help. At the same time, I have to say, wouldn't have been good for her career a little too early. Mm-hmm. I could see that yeah. argument. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. My runner-up is Octavia Spencer, and I'm giving the win to Chastain as well. Octavia Spencer is fantastic in The Help. I love that she has an Oscar for this. Uh, Minnie is a fantastic character, and she brings her to life wholeheartedly. And I completely understand why she won for this, and I do not scoff at it whatsoever. But Chastain, for me personally as a viewer, is giving me everything. She is playing this part up and down, inside and out, She's on all different levels, and I think it would have been a wonderful um, win for her, and I think it would have been deserved. So um, Jessica Chastain's my number one for the help. We all agreed there, at least yeah, we number one. We all had Jessica Chastain. <laughs> Let's see well, if we agree for, uh, for leads, which I don't think we will. Yeah, well, um, as a reminder, uh, your leads were Meryl Streep for The Iron Lady, Glenn Close for Albert Knobs, Viola Davis for the help, Rooney Mara for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Michelle Williams for My Week with Marilyn. My number five is going to Glenn Close for Albert Knobs. Um, She's doing too much in all the wrong ways for me. So Glenn Close is my number five for Albert Knobs. Thelma, who's your number five? I'm with you. Glenn is number five. Because Albert Knobs, why? Um, I, for my number five, I'm giving it to Viola Davis. Um, again, I, it, this is category fraud. It's not the performance. I think she's good here and I'm not taking away her spot in Oscar history. However, um, this is an ensemble piece to me. She only has a few minutes more screen time than Spencer. I mean, it's so little of a difference. I, the main character to me is Emma Stone, who's weaving her way through all of these characters. So it, again, it, it's only due to category fraud. I have to put her last. My number four is going to be Meryl Streep for The Iron Lady. I don't hate this win as much as I know a lot of other people do. Um, I know a lot of people that look down upon this and say, you know, Meryl's doing way too much and she's too big and it was Oscar bait and, you know, acting with a capital A. And I don't disagree necessarily with all those criticisms. But at the end of the day, I still don't really dislike it for all of those reasons. Um, But it's not exactly my cup of tea. Uh, So... Meryl's only going to crack number four for me for the Iron Lady. Thelma, how about you? I'm going with Rooney Mara. I'm putting her at number four because she's known Numi Rapace. 
Well, my number four is Glenn Close. I mean, we've spoken enough on it. She, you know, she's pretty down there for all of us. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, my number three, I'm going to say is Michelle Williams for my week with Marilyn. Um, I think she's fabulous in this film. I think she channels Marilyn Monroe, the essence of her exceptionally well. Um, but it, this role does not exactly stick with me in the way that the other ones do when the film is over. So Michelle Williams is only my number three for my week with Marilyn. Thelma? I am with you. Michelle Williams is number three. I think it is very, 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 very hard to step into those shoes of Marilyn Monroe. And while she really had the feel of it, honestly, I think she captures Gwen Burden better than she did Marilyn. Mm-hmm. Love Michelle Williams. Just hard to criticize. Um, my number three is actually this year's winner, uh, Meryl Streep. So I put both years this year's winner at third. Um, I do not agree with the Academy. Clearly, if you've listened to us since the beginning, where Meryl has won her Oscars, as I've given her only two, and that was the Deer Hunter and Postcards from the Edge. Um, I would not give her this as her third one, even though I love that I've been around to see it happen. I think Meryl is fine here, but this really just feels like a campaign style win to me. And um, Meryl has done way better. So I have to give her three. My runner up is Rooney Mara for the girl with the dragon tattoo. I love the edge that this performance has. Um, It feels at times as though Rooney Mara is stabbing me when she's playing this part. Um, I love the dark energy to it and the fact that it was just nominated, period. Um, But Viola Davis is my favorite of this lineup. I think everything that makes Viola Davis a great performer is on display here in this film. I understand um, her issues with the film, um, but just zeroing in on her performance and not the film itself, I think she's wonderful. And um, when I think of the help, I think of it as her vehicle. I don't think this is, I don't think she's a supporting due to any sort of ensemble nature. I think this movie has an ensemble in the way that most movies have an ensemble, but she is largely the star of it. So I think of her when I think of this movie. So Viola Davis um, is my winner for the help. Thelma? Well, I would say for me, very briefly, that Viola Davis is my number two, my runner-up. I think it's her movie in that they chose, as I said, to to follow her at the end, despite Emma Stone's large part. And I just love seeing her have this major role. I also have to say, she herself has disavowed this movie, and I have to respect her. I loved Meryl Streep. In the Iron Lady, that's my, I was glad that they picked her. I remember that night being happy because she stepped in and showed, you know, I, I talked to Elle Fanning this week to interview her for something. And she's like, I don't want to be the strong, perfect one, you know. I don't want to have to be the role model all the time. And I think that what Meryl did here was humanize the character that she played margaret thatcher and i just saw she also showed a woman in full someone who was mature she was a mature woman who got to lead a movie 
and to play a role that carried the whole movie on her back. And to me, it was a brilliant performance and well worth the Oscar. Yep, we were definitely all different here, which I love because, you know, at least we agreed somewhere and that was supporting. Um, Leading, though, it should be no surprise. Michelle Williams is my runner-up with Rooney Mara as the winner. I think Michelle did really, really well here. Like I said, I think she does, she embodies Marilyn Monroe perfectly. It actually has me very nervous for Ana de Armas to be doing this role because Michelle's was so well done. Um, But yeah, Rooney was... Like I mentioned, I liked Rooney more than Numi. I liked that actually just rhymes really fun. I just noticed. Um, I, I think I think she really stepped into the role as Elizabeth Cylinder very very well. I really wish Fincher would have continued his trilogy, and yeah, uh, she would have been my winner. I would have given it to her, but yeah, I love that we all disagreed on lead. That's what makes this fun, and I'm all about it. Thelma. Let the listeners know where they can find you on social media. Pretty simple. You can find me on Twitter at Thelm Adams with no with one A in the middle. And you can find me on Gold Derby. I'm picking the Emmys right now. I write for AARP and thelmadams.com is my website. Perfect. Thank, Thank you, you so- very much for inviting me. Yes, I, we hope you had fun. This was definitely one that we were looking forward to again since we heard you on Kevin's, only this time I'll say it right, on Shampoo, because I also did hear that episode as well. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. This has been a delight. Thank you very much for inviting me. Really, really fun to do. The episode was on Dog Day Afternoon, but they did discuss Shampoo on it. Yes. <laughs> I'll say it right one of these days. Listen. I am seated correctly. <laughs> Yes, that is true. Kevin's going to kill me. All right, everyone. On the count of three, we're going to say a big farewell to everyone. Ready? One, two, three. Farewell.